MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Think about the crowds, size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. This is Betting the Bracket. You sometimes say, uh, world doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, except on the basketball court. Covering every betting angle of college basketball. Gives it to Jenkins Here's your host, Greg Hoops-Peterson. It is our number two of Betting the Bracket right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a great hour for you as in the outset they were saying, not a lot makes a lot of sense to me. You know what doesn't make sense? The fact that Arizona has just given up a 10-0 to run for TCU, and now you've got the Horn Frogs. Now in the lead by Akata, 68-67, to trying to prove even further that the Big 12 is right now the best conference in all of college basketball, and I don't think it's even close. So you've got a lot going on. We're going to be joined by Danielle Avari. She's going to be joining me at 9.30 p.m. Pacific time, Eastern time. That is 12.30 a.m. We're going to be discussing UCLA, the status of Jaime Jaquez. If we wind up getting Arizona into the Sweet 16, we're going to be discussing that. If Arizona is unable to come back, we're going to be discussing that as well because I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what my... Arizona versus Houston handicap is going to be. Now we have to start thinking about the TCU versus Houston handicap. I really wasn't thinking about that a whole like lot because I thought that Arizona was going to be able to run tonight, but here we are. Three minutes, 51 seconds remaining, and TCU is currently having a 68 to 67 lead as Arizona has outscored in about four minutes. So this is just absolutely tremendous right here. What else is tremendous is just being able to take a look at a lot of these futures as well when it comes to college basketball, because if you take a look at it right now, odds to be able to win the national championship, that is off the board because, well, you've got yourself a situation that is going down here with Arizona perhaps going down. So rightfully so, DraftKings currently has this off the board, but you do take a look at everything that you've got value on. And what I think is really intriguing right now, you've got Odds to be able to win the Midwest region. We haven't really dove into what we're going to be getting in the Kansas versus Providence game. But I really do think that if you're looking at Providence, you've got absolutely no value if you wind up firing on, on this future because currently you're finding them at 6-1. to one. Miami and Iowa State, you're finding them at plus 550. And then with Kansas, you're finding them at minus 190. How you want to be playing a lot of these is you probably want to be handicapping both matchups in the pod because if you do think that Kansas is going to be going down to Providence, 
and you think that one of the other three teams has a shot of being able to pull it off, aside from Providence, if you think that it's going to be either Miami or Iowa State, you wind up firing in on that feature because if you wind up betting the money line in both games on either of these two teams that you think is going to make the final four, there's just no value there. You're better off taking the plus 550. If you think that either of these two teams is going to be playing against Kansas, well, then you wind up taking the money line rollover approach in which you wind up betting one unit on the money line and you just roll it over to the next game because you take a look at the money line that right now you've got with regards to this Kansas versus Providence game. Right now, Providence in a lot of books you're right now seeing at DraftKings plus 280. Right now at the South Point out here in lovely Las Vegas, you're finding that at plus $3. You're getting right around that. So if Providence winds up winning that game and then they wind up squaring off against either Miami or you wind up getting the other matchup against Iowa State, I would think that they would probably be in a relative pick them there. So, I mean, it's one of those cases in which you want to be shopping around for these money lines. I would think that probably taking the 6-1 would probably be, at the very least, break even with regards to this. So I do think that a little bit of strategy with regards to either rolling it over or taking a future is something that you want to be taking a look at with regards to this. And you want to be just taking a look at what we're getting with everything in this, everything that we're getting in this tournament as well. So now it's TCU currently leading by a count of 70 to 67. It's going to be just so fascinating to see what we wind up getting in the final couple minutes because winner of this game is going to be taking on Houston. It's currently a 12 to zero run and Arizona, you were finding them right around five to one in a lot of markets to be able to win the national title. And I think that it was a little bit too short. I do like Villanova to be able to come out of this region and you're going to have all the more value on this, on this bunch in Villanova. If Arizona is unable to come back as they wind up just burying a very big three, it is 70 to 70. So, and something that you want to take a look at. And for Kirk Carissa, what I think is very big in this game as well is that he has been able to play for Arizona, but he has not been 100%. Three points in this contest. On up being able to dish out one assist, but has also had two turnovers. He's been out here on the floor in the last few minutes. So I think that checking in on his status and how he's going to be looking going into the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, I think that that's going to be very important as well. So I do think that that is something that is just oh so important with regards to all these games and when it comes to just these guys in general that they're dealing with injuries. But that said, when it comes to when it comes to everything with regards to the NCAA tournament, with regards to the futures board, Gonzaga, they've been the short shot right now off the board in a lot of places, but you are finding them coming into the day right in the neighborhood about plus 220 and plus 225. Should Gonzaga be the short shot? Absolutely. Do I think that they should be the favorite to come out of the region? Yes, I just don't think that there's a lot of value right now with Gonzaga. And I think that you've got to have your question marks with this team as well. You take a look at them going into their Sweet 16 game. They're going to be playing against Arkansas. Right now, you're finding this line at 8.5 pretty much across the board with your total anywhere to 154.5 and 155. We're really not seeing a lot of variance with regards to the market right now. But when it comes down to it, I do think that this is a situation which I'm going to be taking a look at the points with Arkansas. I wound up setting this line at 6.5 and with Gonzaga. Free throw shooting is very big. I talked about it on the flip side. I really like what we're able to get out of Villanova right now because they're a team that they're number one in all of college basketball regards free throw shooting percentage. Gonzaga, they are in the mid-190s with regards to their free throw shooting percentage, shooting as a collective right around 72.5% after what we wound up seeing against Memphis. And they've shot in the last three games 59.4% at the free throw line. That is something that needs to be a big giant concern. And they're going up against an Arkansas team that in a road in a neutral court environment, they shoot 77.7% .7 
at the free line. That is a top 25 mark in all of college basketball. With Arkansas, they're a team that they've been able to do a good job of being able to just hang in there against bigger teams all season long as well. As we know, Drew Timmy, Chad Holmgren, they certainly do provide that size. And to the credit of Drew Timmy, he has been really struggling throughout his career against more physical big men in the second half in that game against Memphis. I would say that it might have been his best half against a more physical lineup that we have really seen out of him because with Memphis, Jalen Duran is able to really do that. And you saw Memphis just in all sorts of foul trouble in that game. So you've got to give him a lot of credit for what he was able to do in that contest. But that said, this is also a Gonzaga team that with regards to the backcourt, it's just not the same as it was last season. Andrew Nomart is a very solid player, and he's still actually one of the best point guards in all of college basketball. I think that that speaks to the fact that if you just take a look at the landscape of college basketball right now, you really don't have too many great point guards because you just take a look at it, and, I mean, you've got Andrew Nomart who's been able to do a solid job. I would argue that James Akinjo was really coming on. Obviously, Baylor, they're, never go they're not going to be any longer in the NCAA tournament, but you take a look at the rest of these teams, and the point guard play is a little bit suspect. I mean, when it comes down to it, I would probably be putting number one on this list, Andrew Nemard. I would put number two, Colin Gillespie. And I think that one and two are really interchangeable just because with Colin Gillespie, he doesn't necessarily do as much as Andrew Nemard does with regards to explosiveness, but the guy just knows how to dish out the ball. Is very wise with the ball. And to Andrew Nemard's credit as well, he is only turning the ball over right around two times for contest as well. So he's really been able to lock it in with this Gonzaga team. So I think that those are your best two point guards when it comes to the remainder of the NCAA tournament. And then from there, Charlie Moore is a guy that really doesn't get the respect that he deserves over there at Miami. You've been able to see some very good play recently out of Kansas. A big reason why I wound up taking Kansas to be able to win the NCAA tournament. And I still feel like Kansas is a team that is going to be able to come out. And I think that they're going to be able to win the NCAA tournament. A lot of people were put off by the fact that they wound up having that tough game against Creighton. But I think that that really spoke to Creighton and the fact that Greg McDermott did a top five coach at Creighton this year. And I mean, that is a bunch of which it's not your father's Blue Jays team. They were shooting right around 31% from three-point range. They were trying to utilize their size a little bit more rather than doing a little bit more with regards to their backcourt. Greg McDermott had to make some match. Brian Kalkbrenner was out of the fold in that game against Kansas. And even despite that, Creighton, because they wound up having one of their best three-point shooting performances of the game, and I credit a lot of that to the good scheme that they wound up having, not necessarily the bad Kansas defense at Kansas. They've been able to give up 66 points or fewer and now four out of their last five games, so they've been rock solid with that regard, but you do take a look at it, and I think that Kansas, because now they've got Remy Martin back in the fold, that is such a big key for this team. A guy that has been able to give you double figures and now each of the last four games, I think that a lot of people forget just how special Remy Martin is in a college basketball year that has really been bereft of these dominant guards. Last season, while he was at Arizona State, 19 points, three and a half assists, a little bit over a seal per contest, a mid-33 point shooter with him now being able to fire on all cylinders. That gives Kansas this added dimension that really not a lot of teams are going to be able to account for. I think that that is very important to taking a look at them moving forward. And something else that you want to be taking a look at as well is just some of these scenes in which they are able to do a good job of locking down on defense because I mentioned it a little bit earlier. Defense does wind up winning championships, and we've been noticing it with quite a few of these guards that they don't necessarily do the world's greatest job on defense. With them, Art, I do feel like with regards to his defense, he does leave a little bit of something to be desired. It's not like he's like some absolutely atrocious defender. He's allowing a whole bunch of blow or anything like that, but 
it's something to take note of. And I think that it's sort of a different taste for different folks sort of thing, because I do think that what is very critical for Texas. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then perhaps being able to make a run is TJ Shannon, Eric, a.k.a. Taron Shannon, the guy that wound up missing the team's game when they wound up playing against Gonzaga. If he's able to be out there on the fold, or out there in the fold, firing on all cylinders, that could be what Texas Tech needs to turn their loss against Gonzaga that they wound up having earlier in the year, perhaps into a win as well. So there's a lot of things to take a look at. Should Gonzaga be the favorite? Absolutely. Do they have a good guard? Yes, but they've shown a lot of vulnerability as well. So I think that that is just so important to take a look at. And I think that we should dive into that Arkansas versus Gonzaga game a little bit more on the flip side. And also what we're just going to be getting with regards to the other one seed, Kansas versus Providence. Because while I think the Kansas gets the job done, I think that the line is very intriguing in that it's come down a little bit more. So we're going to take a look at the two one seeds that we know are going to be in the Sweet 16 next right here on VSIN, the Sports Banking Network. Basketball. Here's your host, Greg Hoops Peterson. The college basketball season is at a fever pitch, so grab a five hour energy to stay alert to watch all of your favorite games. Or if you stayed up late to watch that overtime game the night before, take a five hour energy shot in the morning so that way you're able to energize your day with zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine. It's a perfect pick me up to be able to get stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, tropical burst, 
cherry, blue raspberry, or my favorite, watermelon, there's a flavor for everyone. That's at that's getting a five-hour energy, fivehourenergy.com. As I was a little bit distracted there, as it was Arizona down by down by three points with 15 seconds remaining. Ben Matherin in the clutch. It is now tied up 75 to 75. We've got 12 and a half seconds remaining. So this game is about as in the balance as it gets. And if Arizona is able to survive and advance here, got to be handicapping the fact that Kirk Creesa has returned for Arizona and has not been himself. One of seven from the floor. But Ben Matherin at the absolute most desperate time humanly possible. Arizona prior to that was four of 22 from three-point range. He delivers in the clutch. So this is a very, very interesting game. If you wound up having the over, this has already cashed for you. If you want to play in the points with Arizona, you need to hope for overtime and you need to hope for just an absolute calamity. And boy, oh boy, if you're a backer of TCU here, if you took the money line, obviously you need a win. If you just took the points, you're just hoping this thing ends in regulation. And you never, ever want the underdog going to overtime, ever. It's just the absolute worst of the worst because I mean, we have seen some absolute travesties wind up happening. So we're keeping our eyes on that and mentioned it prior to coming in. We were going to be taking a look at these two one seeds. And I think that's really interesting to see the way that this line has moved with this Kansas versus Providence game as Kansas opened up in a lot of spots in eight point favorite. I think that there was even a couple straight eight and a halfs out there as well. Now this is down to seven and a half across the board with your total anywhere between 141 and 141 and a half. It's the first time all year long that we've seen any respect for Providence whatsoever. We're going to call it what it is because everyone's been saying, oh, Providence, the luckiest team that we've ever seen and everything. Oh, boy. We've got Arizona. who looked like they were able to get a bucket. And it looks like they're going to be waving it off. And it looks like we're going to overtime. As you see the fans over there on vcin.com, they are absolutely going bonkers. So we're going to be reviewing that. How about if in the meantime, we wind up taking a look at what we've got with regards to Providence finally getting some respect as they don't deserve to get disrespected when I finally talk about them finally getting some respect. But with that said, let's take a look here. Did he wind up getting it off? No, that's going to overtime. That You were getting overtime in Arizona versus CCU. That's easy enough. So there's that. So how about if we talk a little bit more about Providence and the fact that they've really been a team of which they don't have that one thing that they wind up doing great. You take a look at Providence. They're a team that they're right around like 80th with regards to points scored, 80th with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. I do think that's really intriguing about this team because you really have to deep dive to try to find, all right, here's one thing where Providence is really firing on all cylinders and there's really nothing that you're able to take away from it. And I think that we finally did wind up finding it with Providence as well. And it's the fact that this is a team that whenever they hit the road, they're a team that they do rely a little bit more on their three-point shooting, but they're a team that they shoot right around 3 to 4% better from three-point range rather than what they were able to at home. A big reason has been Jared Bynum has been an absolute gamer for this team, a guy that is able to give you right around for the year 13 or so points per contest, but really, he is over the last few weeks been able to give you north of 15 to 16 points per game, shooting over 40% from three after last year. It was sub 20% for three-point range, which I find to be very intriguing. You also take a look at what you're able to get out of this Providence team, and it's a bunch of which they do a very good job of being able to just hold teams down in general. They're a team that they're a little bit more slow. They're a little bit more methodical, and you've got a pair of teams in this game between Providence and Kansas that have both done a good job of being able to guard the three-point arc. Both of these teams 
30.4% at being able to guard from three. Kansas has really been able to come on with their defense. This is a team that they were really rough on defense to begin the year, but you take a look at them. 68 points or fewer were given up in six out of their last seven games. So I do think that you've got a Kansas team that is going to be able to do a good job of being able to bottle things up. Like I said, I am surprised that this line has come down to seven and a half. I want to say my line at seven and a half. I do think that we're probably going to see eight. I think that we could wind up seeing eight and a half wind up resurfacing before this game. So I'm currently in hold mode. I mean, if we wind up getting a gift of seven with Kansas, I'll gladly take it. But I don't think that we're going to be in that sort of a circumstance. So that's sort of where I'm standing with that one. And I do think that you're going to see a little bit of a lower scoring game. Kansas really coming on strong. And you have to like what you wind up seeing out of Jalen Wilson as well. Guy that wound up having 14 and 14 in their last matchup. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier on the show as well. Remy Martin, big time X factor when it comes to this Kansas team as well. And then with Gonzaga mentioned it a little bit earlier as well. Andrew Nemar has been able to do a very solid job out there in the backcourt, but I like Arkansas to be able to cover this summer right now. You're finding it at eight and a half across the board with your total 154 and a half. This is an Arkansas team that has been absolutely tenacious on defense. And what does wind up getting a little bit understated with this Gonzaga team as well, because obviously the offense is always there with regards to Gonzaga, but this is also a Gonzaga team that's number five in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis as well. It gets warped a little bit because a lot of people see, oh, Gonzaga wound up giving up north of 70 points in this game. But that's because Gonzaga's in the top 20 with regards to possessions per game. More possessions means more opportunities to wind up giving up points. Now, Arkansas, they are a team that they play a little bit more up-tempo as well, but take a look at them, 25th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis now. Quite a bit of that was helped out by the fact that New Mexico State was colder than an igloo to start out the game a, on Saturday. But that said, I do think that this is an Arkansas team that they are going to be able to hold up. Jalen Williams, I think, is going to need to play a key role in this game. He's versatile enough to be able to match up with Chad Holmgren, in my opinion. He winds up giving you right around 10 points, 9.5 rebounds per game, but he gives you a little bit over a seal per game. He gives you a little bit over a block per game. Doesn't necessarily shoot threes well, but he's capable of shooting threes. That's what you need to be able to match up with Chet Holmgren. Against Jimmy, it's going to be a little bit of a different story for Arkansas, but I can see a lot of doubling out of them, and you know this. When it comes to one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, the must bust, he is going to have something schemed up, and he does a great job of being able to coach defense in general. So I do have a lot of faith in this Arkansas team being able to do that, and you've got a big-time constant when it comes to this Arkansas team. J.D. Note has scored at least 10 points in all but one of the team's contests this year. A guy that's been able to average right around two steals per game as well. And they're an Ar- it's an Arkansas team that they cause a lot of havoc. Meanwhile, it's a Gonzaga team that they do not wind up causing a lot of havoc. With regards to this Gonzaga team, turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, 287th in all of college basketball. Now, it's not like Arkansas is like fifth in the country or anything like that, but they force a turnover on 20% of possessions. That's ranked 60th in all of college basketball. A lot of these are live ball turnovers, which means that they're able to turn defense into offense as well. So I do think that that's going to be very critical for this Arkansas team. I think that the Razorbacks have a good shot to be able to stay live in this game. Now, the big thing with Arkansas is getting the ball inside because this is an Arkansas team that their three-point shooting, it just has not been there all year long. They're 315th in the country with regards to three-point shooting percentage. I will say this. Away from Bud Walton Arena, they shoot more around 32.5% from three-point range. At home, they've been shooting right around 28.3% from three-point range, which I don't know how that necessarily makes sense, but that's apparently what you've been able to get. But here's the one thing that you've also got a handicap with Arkansas as well. You may recall Arkansas 
in the months of December and into early January as well. They were a team that they wanted struggling. As a matter of fact, they lost in their home state to, to Hofstra, the pride of Hofstra, who, I mean, I thought that they were a relatively solid school, but when you're Arkansas, you shouldn't be losing to the to the pride of Hofstra, especially a team that, if you took a look at the travel situation, they wound up having to fly out the day of the game. They were, like, taking naps in between, and somehow, someway, Hofstra, without their top scorer in the game, is Zach Cooks. They were able to get a cook in, and they were able to get the job done, which I think that is just absolutely hilarious. But the big thing with this Arkansas team as well is that they've been able to find that guy that's able to shoot it from three-point range. That'd be Stanley Amudi. Amudi, ever since the beginning of the month of February, so the last 14 contests, he is shooting from three-point range, 42.9% from distance, 15 points, five boards, a steal per game. He is the X factor for Arkansas that I think is going to be able to keep them very live in this game. Got a Gonzaga team that I'm currently not trusting at the free throw line, and I do think that there is a little bit of something to pressure being on some of these kids as well. You're going to be seeing it with Duke. There's going to be a lot weighing on these guys' shoulders in that you don't want to be letting down, you don't want to be letting down Coach K ending his last season prematurely or anything like that with Gonzaga. They were hyped up as this number one team. They're going to be hearing everyone being like, oh, Gonzaga can't win the big one and everything like that, which I still think that, I mean, when you're a program out there in Spokane to accomplish all that Gonzaga has, I mean, it's nothing short of absolutely remarkable, but you know that, that there's that narrative out there, and we know that kids, they are on social media, and it's going to be hard to just be able to tune that out in general. I don't think that it plays necessarily too much of a factor, but I do think that it is a little bit of something. So I think that it's going to be intriguing. I do think that Gonzaga winds up going on to the Elite Eight. I think that Kansas winds up going on to the Elite Eight, but I do think that these numbers getting north of seven are starting to get a little bit lofty on some of these favorites, and I think that we're going to be in for some very close games in the Sweet 16. One that figures to be a good one is UCLA versus North Carolina. Daniel Alvari is very tight in with UCLA. Got to be checking in on what Jaime Hawkins might be able to deliver, if anything, in the Sweet 16, and talk about that matchup next right here on Betting in the Bracket on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. This is Betting the Bracket, covering every betting angle of college basketball. Here's your host, Greg Hoops-Peterson. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the Breakfast Baconator, Croissant Combos, and Hot and Cold Coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven baked sizzling bacon, cr fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a simply OJ to be able to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive through and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's as it is betting the bracket with myself, Greg Spearson, and it is great to be joined by the host of the Los Angeles CityCast. You're able to find the podcast wherever you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, list goes on and on. We've got Danielle Alvari. You're able to follow her on Twitter and her name, simply Danielle Alvari. And it is great to have you aboard tonight. And I like the UCLA attire. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just threw this one on, actually. I don't know why I have so much of it, but, you know. Yeah, you know what? Maybe you wind up doing some things with regards to the university. Maybe you're a part of the alma mater. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. And we've got to talk about that first things first. And We'll dive into Arizona in a second of what we're seeing right now. But with regards to another injury involving a Pac-12 member, Jaime Akes, what have you heard with that regard? Because I do think that it is going to be a critical part of the handicap against North Carolina. I think that they can get by without Jaime Akes, but I think it would certainly be much more difficult if he's not able to go. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you, Greg. I saw this and screamed and I never, I mean, when the players go down, it's one thing, but this is the one player on UCLA's team who they cannot afford to be without. He just does so many things that you can't even see on the stat sheet, whether it's running after every single ball, whenever it's in the air and tipping it to somebody else. Uh, he just does so much for them. And it was interesting though, because obviously UCLA team, that's not necessarily this offensive powerhouse. They kind of score by committee, but he's really been lighting it up these last couple games. And we saw versus St. Mary's when they came out really hot, Jaime was the one area that they couldn't really stop him. They had to start trying to double team him similar to kind of how they had to approach drew Timmy versus Gonzaga. Uh, but Jaime Hawke is really, really, really the last person that I want to see gone for this UCLA team. So very critical to the handicap, but Fortunately, I guess they have six days before he has to play. So maybe they can get him feeling right. Um, he was walking when we saw the team depart off of the bus or head to the bus rather after landing at LAX. So he was walking. Okay. And Mick Cronin, when asked about it, he said, we got until Friday to play and trust me, if he can walk, he'll play. I know him. And that's true. He's been battling these ankle injuries all season long, but it's all been building up to this. So I think that we're going to see a tough Jaime Hawkes head out there. How much mobility he'll have is the question. Yep, I do agree with you there. I do think that him being able to get off on his own power yesterday, I thought that that was a very good sign. If he needed a little bit of help off, that would not have necessarily been so great. And let's talk about another injury. As right now, it's Arizona versus CCU, three-point game. So Arizona is currently in the lead. But, I mean, if Arizona is able to advance, and right now they do have the lead in this game, but I think you've got to be handicapping as if Kirk Reese is going to continue to play like this. And, I mean, it's not Kirk Reese's fault that he's not at 100%. I think that this is just coaching malpractice right now. I'm going to call it what it is. And I was completely stunned to see that he was pushed out there for Arizona. And honestly, if you handicap Kirk Reese in, I almost think you need to downgrade Arizona at this point with the way that he's playing. Absolutely. He's being a hindrance to them more than anything else. They're playing worse with him on the court. And it's understandable why. I mean, he tweeted out a picture of that ankle after it happened. It was multiple colors. Oh my God, it was brutal. I can't imagine that the staff was pleased that he tweeted that out. And so we saw what that looked like. That was like a crazy high ankle sprain with lots of lots of beautiful colors, as you mentioned. But Jaime Hawkins didn't look like that quite as much, it seemed like. But I think he's going to be smart enough not to tweet a picture of it. Uh, but that said, Kerr Krissa, I mean, I was surprised that we were going to see him back almost at all for this tournament. If they made a deep run, then maybe we'd see him towards the end. But I agree with you. I don't think that they're doing any favors by having him out there. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is very stunning to see what Arizona has been doing tonight. Once again, they're in the lead 83 to 80 with about a minute left to go. So we're going to see if they're going to be able to survive and advance to the Sweet 16. And when I take a look at the two Pac-12 schools, I almost think that things have broken better for UCLA to perhaps be able to make a Final Four than Arizona because if Arizona is able to survive this game, they wind up drawing Houston. Meanwhile, for UCLA, they wind up getting a North Carolina team that they have been absolutely sizzling hot from three-point range. But as we know, North Carolina is still not playing any defense. Last I checked, 150th with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. So if you're looking at the two Pac-12 teams, I think that UCLA has a better chance of being able to make a Final Four at this point than Arizona. Yeah, I absolutely agree. The path seems like it. Even if you look at the bottom of the bracket, what do you make of the St. Peter's team, Greg? Did you see this coming? I did not have St. Peter's in my Sweet 16. I'm so that I had Oral Roberts over Ohio State last year, but this was stunning. Took the points with St. Peter's in the first game against Kentucky, but boy, oh boy, I think that it is relatively stunning. And I actually think that they can hang with them, Purdue. I don't think that they're going to be able to make the Elite Eight, but you take a look at St. Peter's and they've got a guy in Casey Undefu who actually led all of college basketball with regards to block shots per game last season. They're a team that they play tough, tenacious defense. And as you know, Danielle, what winds up winning in the tournament is defense, which is why I also do like your Bruins to be able to make the final four.
Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because people are talking about how UNC has gotten so hot and they got hot at the right time. They absolutely did. And you talk about the three-point shooting. I mean, that's something that UCLA struggled with against Oregon, for example, a team that they were swept by in the Pac-12 this season. That was the only team, I believe, that swept them this season. And so that was one area. They also had Dana Altman, though. And in this matchup, I think that Mick Cronin has the coaching advantage. That UCLA Bruins definitely have the defensive advantage in this game. But are they going to be able to limit what UNC has been able to do because Baylor is not a bad defense necessarily. And they were able to get by them. So this leaves a lot of questions about what exactly are we going to see from this UNC defense? Because when it's trying, it's been decent. They beat Duke, they beat Marquette um, and they end up only an eight seed because there's some questionable losses in there, but they made 13 threes versus Marquette 11 versus Baylor. That's scary because that's a top 12 in the Ken Palm defensive efficiency team. So they did lose to V tech in the ACC championship and they limit him to three threes. So I think UCLA has to be able to do that. If they can shut them down a little bit on the perimeter and also UCLA is going to be able to create turnovers and get steals. And UCLA does a really great job of taking care of the ball. UNC that's not really been the case for them. They've actually been struggling with the turnovers a little bit too, which is a team uh, issue that I think has really stood out in the tournament so far. Take USC, for example, I talked about their turnovers being an issue, I think, with you at the start of the season in December. Yes. And it's still an issue. And I think it's a large issue why they really struggled towards the end of the season. So that's a team killer, I think, in these brackets. So, yes, UNC's three-point shooting, amazing, incredible. If UCLA can find a way to shoot that down, their scouting reports have been really, really well done by their assistant coaches. So I still feel pretty confident in this UCLA team being able to get this done. And what do you make out of UCLA really slowing down their tempo a little bit as well? Because you saw last year, UCLA was outside of the top 300 or outside the top 250, I should say, with regards to possessions per game. It seemed like they were playing a little bit faster towards the beginning part of the season. I attribute that a little bit more to the non-conference play. They wound up playing against Long Beach State twice, a team that they just absolutely gun it. We're going to call it what it is. But with UCLA, they've been slowing down their tempo a little bit more. 70 points or fewer in 12 out of their last 13 games. And I do correlate it a little bit in that if you like a little bit of a lower scoring game, that certainly is going to favor UCLA. Meanwhile, if you think that this could turn into some big giant shootout, that would be more in favor of North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. UCLA can't out offense UNC. That's 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 just obvious, right? So they're going to have to get it done with their defense, but they're able to do that. What's interesting is with their defense, even when their offense is playing horribly, right? If they're averaging less than a point per possession, they're still within like three points of the teams that they're playing. So their defense is just so effective. Jules Bernard talked about this actually after the St. Mary's game. He said, you know, St. Mary's came out really hot, but then we're able to really focus on the defensive end, start to get steals, get deflections, get blocks and all of a sudden it upsets the other team's rhythm and then UCLA has a little bit of room to get their offense going. I think the fact that they did so well against that St. Mary's defense is a really, really good sign moving forward for this UCLA offense because that's always the area of question for me. They can't out offense North Carolina. They just have to do what they do well and create those turnovers. And yeah, North Carolina is going to get their threes probably, but I think UCLA will still come out on top. I'm right there with you. I've got UCLA being able to get the job done with or without Jaime Alquez. It's going to be interesting to see what we wind up getting out of them in that game. And for anyone wondering, Arizona, they do get the job done. No cover, but 85 to 80. They survive in advance against CCU. What they're going to be able to do in the next round against Houston. That's going to be very, very fascinating. And Danielle, we've got about 90 seconds left. With regards to the Gonzaga Bulldogs, I know that you've got a little bit of connection over there as well. What are you expecting from them in their Sweet 16 game against Arkansas? Because obviously Gonzaga has been able to get by in these first two rounds, but not necessarily what a lot of people expected with regards to the margin of victory. 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because I don't think this Gonzaga team is as strong as last year's team. And you think you see Chet Holmgren and being this lottery pick, but we saw him get pushed around and bullied a little bit. People like to call him soft or even the Gonzaga team as a whole because they're in the WCC conference. And so they got pushed around. They were really in a fight in that last game versus uh, Memphis. But the fact that they were able to rise above that still and get it done, I still think this Gonzaga team has what it takes to go all of the way. But Arkansas, man, this is going to be a nasty matchup for them as well, I think. I know that they're eight and a half point favorites, but Eileen Arkansas here. And based on what we've seen out of Gonzaga so far this season. So I think this is going to be a really exciting game. My dad is trying to convince me to come up to the Bay area to go watch it. So we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. And I do lean to the points with Arkansas as well. And I always lean to the great insights of Daniel Alvaro, who does an absolutely terrific job with the Los Angeles city cast. Danielle, always great to get you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks, Greg. Danielle does absolutely amazing work, and you're able to find the LA City Cast wherever you get your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. In the final segment, we're going to recap what we wound up seeing out of Arizona. And we don't have any NCAA tournament games on Monday, but I still have a play on the basketball classic. That's up next right here. I'm betting the bracket on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. is betting the bracket covering every betting angle of college basketball here's your host greg hoops peterson play free college basketball for a share of fifteen thousand dollars this march with the halo hoop series destroy the competition for cash with the winning lineups in three free-to-play contests and compete for your share of five thousand dollars per contest head over to draftkings.com paramount plus now to join in on the action Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is the final segment of Betting in the Bracket with myself, Greg Pearson, and coming up next, it's going to be Scott Seidenberg, who's going to be on the look at. We're going to be taking a look at everything that wound up happening with regards to a wild week in general, with regards to everything that we've seen with regards to NFL free agency, and obviously what we wind up seeing out there on the court as now the Sweet 16 is set. Arizona, they survive. They advance against TCU 85 to 80. I've got my handicap now with regards to Arizona versus Houston. I'm making Arizona three point favorite and your total 147. Prior to today, this probably would have been closer to four and a half, but seeing Kirk Carissa play out there the way that he did with an extra few days, I think that he's going to be a little bit healthier, but that wound up putting me off a little bit. I had to make a little bit of an adjustment here personally. Kirk Carissa. Absolutely not his fault for the way that he wound up playing. He should not have been out there. I mean, there, there's just no other way you could put it. I have no idea what Tommy Lloyd was thinking throwing Kirk Crease out there. He won one of 10 from the floor. He had three points, three fouls, two turnovers. That is just unacceptable right there. So I have no idea what they were doing, but Dallin Terry was able to do a solid job being able to do all five assists for Arizona. Did not wind up turning the ball over a single time. And, Ben Matherin, along with Christian Coloco, who wound up doing a solid job as well. Matherin, 11-13 at the free line, buried a big three that Arizona needed with about 15 seconds left in regulation. You had Coloco go 12-13 from the floor. I- the Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, 
the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. still do think that Arizona is a little bit of a better team than Houston. With Houston, they did a very good job today against Illinois, but... We're going to call it what it is. Illinois has been a little bit of a hot mess with their backcourt, especially with Jacob Granderson going down with an injury. And it is a Houston team that I do feel like their metrics, they did wind up coming just against a little bit of lesser competition. That is something that needs to be factored in. And Arizona, they proved it. Even with having Kirk Reese to go one of 10 from the floor, it was a team that if you look just at regulation, they still wound up getting to 75 against a TCU team that they slow it down. A TCU team that has been playing very solidly on defense. So, I still think that Arizona is going to be able to get their points in this spot. It's a situation which I'm not seeing any openers right now, or we're seeing a few come out right now. DraftKings just literally posted this as I'm talking about this. Total opens up at 144, Arizona being a two-point favorite. So bookmakers are sort of thinking how I am right now, that I'm pretty sure this line would have been a little bit bigger prior to today. I think that that is very, very fair to say. So, going to be really fascinating to see what winds up happening in that Sweet 16 matchup as that is going to be out there in San Antonio, Texas, by the way. So a little bit of home cooking over there for the Houston Cougars, which that wound up being a little bit of a factor with this as well. Though, if you're out there in the state of Texas, you, like me, know that it's a very well-spread-out state. I am actually someone that wound up doing an internship out there in the city of Houston. So as a place in which you could wind up having something within the state of Texas and it's actually further away than sometimes going from like state to state. So that is something that does need to be taken into account. But I think that that is going to be fascinating. And I mentioned it. I always do a pick for DK nation every single day. We don't have any NCAA tournament action for Monday. So we had to wind up going to a little bit of the other tournaments while I was writing it up. You didn't wind up having any lines over there for the CBI. I've got my handicap on all of those. You're able to find those on visa.com. I also wind up putting them on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. So yeah, you guys all covered there, but we wound up going with this USC upstate versus South Alabama sizzler as we got 861, 862 on the betting board and we're not going to spend overly much time on this game because it is a little bit of a lesser game. But with that said, as I always say with regards to this show and just any other show, 
money is money. It doesn't matter if you're betting on the Super Bowl. doesn't matter if you're betting on the Final Four. It doesn't matter if you're betting on USC Upstate and South Alabama. There's money to be made. Your totals anywhere between 141 and 141 and a half with South Alabama finding themselves a nine and a half point favorite. And I'm taking a look at the over in this fight. You just take a look at this basketball classic tournament and nobody's been playing any defense. South Alabama long 68 points. I believe that that's the most defense that we've seen in any team in this tournament because you just take a look at everything that we wound up getting. Appalachian State, who was the first round opponent of USC Upstate in this tournament, you wound up having them come into this game as a bottom 25 team with regards to possessions per game. They wound up giving up just a whole bunch of points. You actually did wind up having Western Illinois be as cold as an igloo as well. They were held to 54, and you wound up having UTEP in that game. I end up getting 80, but we just have seen it throughout. I mean, Fresno State, a team that's in the bottom five in all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game. They gave up 74 to Eastern Washington. I mentioned it with Appalachian State. They gave up 80 to USC Upstate in their first round game. You even take a look at that Youngstown State versus Morgan State game. That was a game which you wound up seeing a whole bunch of scoring in as well. So we have just seen these teams really be able to erupt with their offense. We have seen absolutely no defense whatsoever. So it's something that you do want to be taking into account with this one. And USC Upstate is a team that's really been able to shoot it well from three-point range. We've got a guy in Jordan Ganey, who among qualifying players, ranks in the top five in all of college basketball regards of three-point shooting percentage at 49.3%. In a road environment, that actually goes up a little bit north of 51% from three-point range. South Alabama, they've been able to score at least 70 points that they have played here in the month of March as well. It is a team that has been playing a little bit slower, but without J.J. Chandler in the fold, you've noticed that the defense has been faltering a little bit more with them. You've got a USC Upstate team that has been able to not defend very well with regards to points a lot on a per-possession basis. 296th in the country, a team that they play a little bit more up-tempo. It's not necessarily a team that's going to go out there and they're going to go like scorched earth, but right around 115th with regards to possessions per game. So they do play with a little bit more tempo. This is one of those cases which when you wind up getting into the NIT, the CBI, defense winds up going away a little bit more. These teams, they're here to score points. They don't have as much interest in playing defense until you wind up getting to the title game. In the title game, you're able to find a little bit more defense being played, but when it comes to these lesser tournaments, and this is actually pretty much a rebranded CBI or the CIT, and in the CIT, it's just notorious for having absolutely no defense whatsoever. I think you're going to see a little bit more of it here. I set my total at 146 for DK Nation. I'm going over. Of South Alabama, I just think that they're the better team. This is a USC Upstate team that. I mentioned it with the defense. They don't do a good job on the glass. Bryson Mazzone is the only guy that's able to give you more than four and a half rebounds per game. Meanwhile, you've got Javon Franklin, a transfer from Auburn. He's able to give you right around seven boards per game. Caleb Gonsalves is someone that's able to give you seven and a half points, six foot eight combo player that shoots it well from three point range. So I'm going to lay it here with South Alabama. I wound up setting them as a 12 point favor. And with regards to what I'm giving out for DK Nation, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I wound up setting my total at 146. So I do like what I'm seeing there. And with regards to what we're all seeing, out there in the Sweet 16 as well. I think that's just very, very fascinating to see what you wind up getting with that regard. With regards to the futures, now it's back up on the board. This is now at the conclusion of Arizona and their wins. So you've seen a little bit of a shift with regards to the futures market. This was not up while you were mid-game. So that is something that just wound up popping back up. Right now you're finding Gonzaga at plus 220. Kansas, they are plus 450. Five to one at Arizona. And then from there, you have a big drop-off. Purdue is 9-1. to Houston's 9-1. to Texas Tech, 11-1. to Villanova's at 12-1. to Duke is 13-1. to And then UCLA is at 14-1. North Carolina, 
at 20 to one right now. Your longest shot is Iowa state at 80 to one. So you're not necessarily able to get as much value with regards to some of these futures. So I've got it, UCLA in my bracket going to the title game. And I still really don't feel too bad about that. If they do wind up matching up against Gonzaga, once again, I do think that they're going to be able to do a little bit of better job. Gonzaga has not been necessarily in as great a form. And I feel like UCLA came into the year a little bit overrated with their number two overall ranking, but I'll say with UCLA, I feel like they've been able to justify that more and more because this is a team that's gotten better and better as the season has went along, much like you wound up seeing last year. Now, they really just peaked at the right time last year, going from the first four to the final four. You just don't wind up finding it very often, but I do take a look at this UCLA team, and I think that they're playing like one of the top five teams in all of college basketball. I think that they're going to be able to get by North Carolina if they wind up drawing either Purdue or the good old Peacocks of St. Peter's, which... If they wind up drawing the Peacocks of St. Peter's, he can't be gifted a better road to the Final Four than that. You wind up having the one seed go down. You then wind up having the three seed go down to the 15 seed. So, I mean, if you wind up getting that, then you're really in good shape with regards to UCLA. I mean, the only thing that you can hope for from there is that Gonzaga winds up just getting completely ousted as well somehow, some way. I don't think that that would probably be the case as right now the only region that has really been holding the form has been the West. We've seen a little bit of chaos all across the board outside of that, but I do think that it is a case in which you've got a little bit of value here with UCLA. I do think that Kansas, a team that I wanted picking before the outside of the tournament, they still have themselves a very clear path to be able to get to the final four. And then once they wind up getting into the final four, being able to take down perhaps Villanova or Arizona, an Arizona team that we saw it with Kirk Reese out there. It did not necessarily go too tremendously for them. They still have themselves a relatively good opportunity. And we've always got ourselves great opportunities for great content here at VSIM because coming up next, it is a look at with Scott Seidenberg. He's going to be taking you through a little bit of everything these next three hours right here on VSIM, the Sports Bank Network. Get em. Get em. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.